Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Camille Dan, and she is an author. And believe it or not, I found her on Instagram, not TikTok, like I find everybody else. And she's been so supportive of me. And then I found out something fascinating. Well, it started out tragic, but then it became fascinating. She unfortunately lost her oldest son, Aaron, but she was able to do some things that is unbelievable now and has written a book about it. So, hey, before I tell my listeners too much, Camille, welcome to my show. Thank you. It's a real honor to be here. I love your show. Well, I'm very happy to have you. Like I said, you've been so supportive of me on Instagram and always liking my things and sharing my things. And then when I heard your story, I was like, I got to have you on my podcast. And you're like, okay. (laughs) So so tell me the story about what got you into writing a book and all the things. Yeah, well, I had never written a book before. And I wish I didn't have this reason to write a book. You know, I'm a former skeptic. And before my son passed in September of 2019, not that long ago, you know, I I really wasn't super interested in this kind of stuff. It's not that I denied it could be real. It's just it wasn't really my interest. I was more interested in science. I love horror films and all that part of the paranormal and supernatural, but I didn't think a lot about contact with the other side. And after my son's funeral, a friend of mine came over, and she is very interested. In fact, she's had a lot of experiences with clairvoyance and clairaudience and with automatic writing, which is channel writing from spirit. She brought over a note to me, and she said it was a note that she had written from Aaron across the other side. Yeah, and she gave me the note, and, you know, at first being a skeptic, I thought, oh, that's nice, and when I read the note, there was stuff in the note that she couldn't have known. Aaron died in a tragic fall, and there's still a police investigation of it going on, and we had to meet with the detectives the next day, and one of the detectives said something that was word for word in the note my friend gave me. Oh, my gosh. I know, and I just... I didn't hear anything else he said after that. It was, And, you know, it's not just my grief memory that I couldn't remember things very well. I just was so shocked right. to hear the exact words. And, you know, and then I went home and started reading. Uh, some friends of mine gave me books about good things to do and advice for someone who's experiencing this type of grief. And some of the books recommended being out in nature. So I thought, okay, you know what, maybe we should go up to the cottage. We we have a nice place on a lake, and it's surrounded by nature, and it's very peaceful. I thought, okay, let's do that. And it was now October of 2019, and up here where I live in Canada, the trees are starting to change into those beautiful fall colors. Right. And as we drove up the highway, I was, you know, kind of marveling at all the forests full of these beautiful, brilliant colors. And as soon as I had the thought of how beautiful that site was, I was hit by a tidal wave of grief Mm. that Aaron is never going to see this beautiful site again. And as soon as I had that thought, I heard him say to me, I can see it, Mom. 
And his voice was not in my head. It was like he was in the car, another passenger in the car. He was oh speaking gosh. to me. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, I looked around. Nobody else seemed to have heard it. So I thought, Aaron, is that you? And, and he said, yeah, Mom, I can see it. I can see the colors. I don't see them the way you do. They're far more brilliant than you can imagine. And I can't really describe it to you, but I see the energy that the trees are emitting. Oh my, what? Yeah, yes. And that was the first thing he said to me. And then, yeah, I know. Of course, I didn't tell anybody right away because, you know, first of all, I was already a skeptic. And well, I and thought, I, no, and I was going to say something to you because you were a skeptic. And it's not like you came into this with abilities, you know, or, or, or any that you right. thought you maybe you did have them and you didn't know. I don't know. But think about it. If you were a skeptic and to your knowledge, you did not have mediumship abilities. How is this happening? Is it a, do you think it's because he knew you were so grief stricken? Is that why, you know, did he know you weren't going to be afraid of hearing his voice? I mean, that might've freaked you out too. I don't know. That was the funny thing. I, I had no fear of it at all. And, you know, prior to that, if I heard some voice speaking to me out of nowhere, I would have been scared out of my mind. I had no fear of this at all. (laughs) You know, and I knew it was his voice 100%. Like, you know, you know what a person's voice sounds like. You know how they speak. This was my son. And I knew it 100% it was his voice. But, you know, after it happened, you know, and your thoughts start to creep in, I started to think, oh, maybe I was just hearing things. Maybe it's my grief. I'm making this up. So I did keep it to myself for a while until we got to the cottage and he started talking away and he started talking about his afterlife and what it's like. And he started, I'm just going to tell you that there's tons of birds flying right now (laughs) around my window and facing the lake and all these beautiful colored birds are flying in. And a lot of times when I'm talking about this with someone, that's what starts to happen. All these birds start coming in. That's and birds him. are a sign, yeah, right? Yeah. And Aaron has told me how they're a sign. And he, you know, he's described his afterlife. He he talks mostly about energy. And that's why the first book I wrote, the title is Aaron's Energy. Right. So he tells me about how energy operates, how energy creates everything. Everything that we see, all matter in the universe is created from energy. So he's in a different state of energy than I am, you know, in my physical state. And when I'm in this physical state, when we're all in a physical state, we have limitations on what we're able to perceive and to detect. Right. But, you know, because we're, we're supposed to be in this physical state and we're supposed to be staying here as long as the universe needs us to be in it right? because we're all part of the flow. Right. Because, you know, we are 3D here. We are, you know, way denser frequency, I think, here too. So it makes sense. We're supposed to be doing it this way. And we came down here, in my mind, I think we came down here to learn or up wherever they are, we are. I think sometimes some people say they're sideways from us or they're you know, just to the left. And I always think of above just because it's so cliche, but I don't know where he is. Does he ever tell you that part? He tells me so many things. And, you know, as far as where he is, it's not just about where he is. It's also about when, because time is another dimension and it doesn't operate in a linear fashion the way we sense it to, to be in our three dimensional existence. As far as 
where, everywhere and anywhere around us, we lack the ability to really be able to see most of what's around us. You know, our eyes have cells. Our brains can detect what those cells are receiving and can interpret it within our three dimensions. But actually, the universe is made up of 95% dark matter and dark energy, which our eyes can't see. Our eyes are created to see light, not dark. So it's all around us. We just can't see it. Wow. Okay, so when he talks to you, and now you have full-on conversations, which I am so jealous because I can talk to my mom. We talked before we started recording. I can talk to her, but I don't typically have these full-on conversations. We can talk for a little bit, and then it's kind of it kind of fades away. So when he comes to you, and he so he's teaching you things. He's telling you, like I think I read that he he talked to you about his transition and how he exists on the other side, and he teaches you how the energy works, like you just said. How amazing! So tell me some of the things he's told you. Well. It started mostly with how he communicates, and he's, he's basically slow-dripped me through things because he had to start it off, you know, at a level I could understand, and then he kind of builds on what he's told me before. Okay. So, for instance, he talked to me about how he can communicate with me. He can communicate with me telepathically, but also he has the ability to manipulate particles. So he can manipulate particles so that he can communicate to me through sound or even through imagery. So I have actually discovered some images of him through a documentary I recently watched. He was an image in a catalog of images of unknown people from the other side. They're able to manipulate particles into images in a laboratory Um, And a researcher in Brazil, her name is Sonia Rinaldi, she does images from across the veil. And what they do is they manipulate vapor particles in a chamber that light is shooting through, and the images are constantly transforming, and they're faces of people, and they're recognizable faces. And I've discovered, and a number of people now have discovered images of their loved ones, you know, in the catalog of unknowns, for instance. Wow. Yeah, that was very recent, and and actually that experience I had is in my second book called Gathering at the Doorway that was just released on Mother's Day, and I, I have a chapter in there about more things that have happened, but it kind of all started with you know, he would write messages in the clouds. And I asked him, how, how is this happening? And he said, Mom, I can't really explain everything to you that happens in a way you'll understand. But in order to see those cloud images, multiple macro incidents and micro incidents have to occur simultaneously. And you have to be seeing it. So it's you have to be part of that whole system to see a sign like that. But also he can send a bird, for instance. And he said animals have a less complicated frequency or vibrational energy. So they're easier to meld with. So they can meld their energy with an animal. And they like birds because birds can get places fast. So if they want to get to us, They can cover a lot of distance in a little bit of time, so they'll meld with a bird, and the bird can be their eyes and be their ears, and they can check in on us, and they can even let us know they're nearby because the bird has a bird call we can hear, or they can drop a feather and let us know they were there. 
So they like to meld a lot with birds, but they can meld with any animal. They like to meld with young children because young children have less complicated energy as well when they're going through their developmental stages. So Aaron told me that young children are more connected with spirit across the veil because they're less adapted yet to physical existence. They're still going through, you know, maturing through their... They're fresh from the other side. Yeah, Becoming adapted, fully adapted. So they're still very connected with spirit. Let me ask you something, Camille. When he, um, after he passed, I think it was only a few days had gone by before you really started hearing from him, little things here and there. But did he tell you about his transition and what happened and what he experienced? Yeah, so that took a while. So early on, he did a lot of explaining about you know, how things are where he is. But he waited for me to be in a place in my grief that I was able to hear about his transition. And I actually asked him. And our loved ones love to answer our questions. We can ask them questions anytime, and they will answer. They'll answer how, you know, everybody's different, right? They have their own ways that they prefer to answer. So when I was ready, I asked him about his transition, and I asked him, were you in pain? He said, you know, like a paper cut. It's gone in a second. He said, and I woke up. He said, I was surrounded by complete darkness, and I didn't really know what happened. And then I saw a spinning circle of light in the darkness all of a sudden, kind of like a sparkler. Yeah. You know, that you spin. We used to spin them in circles when we were kids. And it looked like that. He even showed me that image. And he said, so that was the only thing I saw. So I went towards it. And he said, and then I was absorbed into it. I was absorbed into that spinning circle of light. And he said that there were other family members there that he could sense. He sensed their presence and they were there. And he was drawn in with their energy. Okay, so, wow, I'm just, my my mouth is just open. (laughs) So so when he's drawn into the light and he sees these family members, and I've heard other people, near-death experiencers say, I also saw people I didn't recognize, and then it took me a minute, and then I was like, oh, wait a minute, I do know you. You may not have had a lifetime with me this time, but I know you, and, you know, you've been with me ever since the dawn of time. So did that kind of happen too? Did he say anything about that? Yeah, what he said was, is that when you're transitioning, you're still tied to your physical existence. It's not like you transition in one fell swoop. It's It takes a little time, he said. And so you might feel confused. You're not sure what's going on. Right. And everyone that's there is there to welcome you and to help you with your transition. And all you can feel is love and you don't have any fear of anyone. And really, ultimately, in the long run, he told me, you're heading back towards source. And he said that the source energy is the energy of creation, which is love. All creation comes from love. Mm -hmm. And so he said that there's no fear, there's no judgment, only love. And isn't that amazing? It is what what a comforting thing to know that that's what we have to look forward to because you know so many things teach us not those things and uh, and people live in fear a lot and I understand that you know Earth is hard 
incarnating on earth, I think it's the hardest gig there is. And, uh, and I've been told that. So knowing that and then transitioning, um, uh, my mom didn't tell me what Aaron has told you in specifics, but I love that he had that experience because, you know, my mom, she knew she was going to go. So maybe her transition would have been different than his. He didn't. His was an accident. But yeah, and he didn't know. So maybe he was more confused than maybe my mom or someone who maybe knew they were going to pass. Yes, and that's a good point because I have heard that a lot of people who know they're going can actually see some of their loved ones greeting them and welcoming them before they even even fully transition. Right. They, they even speak about it deathbed experiences and some shared death experiences I've heard of. And this is all new to me. I didn't hear about all of this stuff in this much detail until I heard it all from Aaron and then started to read and everything. So this is literally since, you know, nearly the end of 2019. Before that, years and years ago, I was a nurse and I worked in critical care. And I heard patients tell me about their near-death experiences, and some of them were unbelievable. Like, how did you even know that? You were completely unconscious and flatlined. And they knew stuff that was going on during the, you know, cardiac arrest situation. And now thinking back, you know, I realize, okay, well, you know, I explained that away as a phenomenon of the brain at the time. But now, you know, I am fully open-minded to the fact that we are really formed from spirit and we are spirit energy living in a physical existence this part of our eternal journey so once we leave our physical existence we go on and we continue to exist in another state of energy right and that's true what einstein says energy never dies it only changes that's all it does yes Exactly. So I have to ask you, though, um, and I'm getting kind of funny here because I have to ask because I ask my mom these kinds of questions. And I just know since you can really communicate with them, do you ask him like the bizarre questions like I do? Well, mom, what do you think of ghosts? Why are they here? And do, is it just that they visit? I mean, you know, have you ever asked him some bizarre questions? I have. Like one time I was in my house and I felt this cold chill, Ooh. like going across my shoulders and down my arms. And and the doors had been moving on their own. They never did that before. And oh I had gosh. these weird electrical things going on in the house. And, of course, I wondered, is, is that you, Aaron? Right. And I asked him, Aaron, is this you? And he said, yeah, Mom, I'm here. I'm always here with you. And I said, oh, okay. You know, and my first thought was, okay, am I standing under a vent? And the air conditioner came oh, yeah. on. But I wasn't, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, all of this phenomena. And then I started to make a connection between when something would happen, when I would see a sign or things like that would happen. And I started to connect the dots between what was happening around me in that moment. And I was able to figure out Aaron's messages. Mm. So I asked him one time, I said, are you ever coming back, yeah. reincarnating? Yes. He said, I will be back and you will recognize me. And I'm, okay, so what does that mean? Are, are you going to be my grandson or yeah. something one day? I'm going to recognize you? Well, guess what? He came back, and I did recognize him <gasps> in that image yeah. that's in my second book. And I thought, this is it. This is what he was talking about. He came back, and I do recognize him. Wow. And, yeah, so they are able to do these things. 
And is that what we call a ghost? You could call it a ghost. He doesn't talk about ghosts in the same way that, you know, haunting houses and stuff. But he does say that this is spirit energy that means no one any harm. Spirit, when they are on the other side, they are all loving. They don't do harm. They don't they don't have wants or desires or wishes to even right. There's no evil at all. Nothing. Negativity has to do with energy and how and what energy is attracted to what energy. Right. But negativity is in our terms is a human definition of maybe something bad or or negative energy. But negative energy where they are means something entirely different. (laughs) Right. You know, and I I don't know, because I asked mom, I was like, well, mom, you know, because I didn't have the best dad and he's gone now, too. And I was like, can you visit him? And she goes, well, I guess I could. I don't have the desire to, because they were divorced a long time ago. She goes, I don't have the desire to see him, but he's not where I am. He's not on the level I'm at. He's not in hell. He's just not where she is. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And Aaron talks a lot about that. Wow. Because, you know, yeah, a lot of people ask that question. Well, if there's only love on the other side and there's no, nothing's negative, there's no evil, nothing's bad. What about people who do evil during their lifetime? What happens to them when they transition? Well, the truth is they are welcomed with love just like everyone else because we're here in this three-dimensional physical state to work out a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. We actually are holding the universe together. Where they are, they don't look at us what's going on here with judgment. So they don't judge when when a soul transitions. It probably worked everything out, hopefully worked everything out during its three-dimensional life existence. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, everyone involved around that person that, you know, everybody might consider the, the bad seed or the evil person, they're working it out too. So it might not appear that way to us because they appear to be victims maybe of this evil, but that only exists here in our world. That doesn't exist beyond our three-dimensional world. Wow. And, you know, and maybe, you know, source or God or whatever, maybe they do keep us apart from other people that we're either done with as far as a contract, if that's a thing, I think it might be a soul contract, or, you know, maybe they are on a different evolutionary level than we are and and they need more empathetic kind of lifestyles to go through and then come back and and not be maybe in that lower astral or whatever it is I don't even know I mean I'm just talking because that's kind of how my mom described it to me and how other people and psychic mediums have kind of described it but I just think it's a perception of every individual is it true I think all of it's true I don't think any of it's wrong or right. Yeah, exactly. I I know what you're saying. And and I think it's all true also. I think the universe is so vast that there's room for all truths. And what you're saying makes a lot of sense with what Aaron says. Is that, you know, take for example your mom and your dad. Well, are they going to the same place? Well, you know, we think of things again, in three dimensions, they're going to different experiences and they're getting drawn to the experiences that they are 
getting drawn to? Well, if while they were together here, they worked something out, do they need to keep working it out? No, they've gone back out to the universe. And where they are now and where Aaron is, is where they can create more. We have tools for creation. We have hands, we have brains, we have abilities, varying abilities for creation. Their abilities to create are way beyond ours. They can create multiple experiences for themselves at the same time. You know, someone asked me once, well, how, if they want to go somewhere in the universe, how do they go there? Do they fly? So I asked Aaron, I said, well, if you want to go somewhere, how do you go there? He said, well, I can create the whole experience right where I am, but if I want the experience of flying, I can either create that for myself or meld with a bird and fly or, you know, there's so many more opportunities available for them because their abilities are so beyond ours. We can't even really imagine what they're capable of. But again, it all goes back to energy creates, right? right? Continuously, that energy is continuously creating. Yes, you know, and that's another thing. I mean, because there's no time there. He could go anytime he, you know, I think it's all about just, I can just think about it and I'm there, you know, and like he could literally go back to the 1400s in England, or he could go into the future 3000 years, or he could stay where you are and, and closer to the lifetime he's just had. That's my hardest thought, you know, that it's all still going on at the same time, but it's not for us. You, you know what I mean? It's just so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's so we don't. We can't even imagine it, really. I mean, it boggles my mind to try to imagine that, you know. I know. (laughs) But that is how it is, you know, and and they have so much more available to them, like you said, not just across space, across time, across multiple dimensions. We can't even imagine, you know, we can only guess how many dimensions in the universe there might be. But then Aaron tells me that there's more than you can, you know, even if you tried to imagine, the universe is constantly creating more. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a, I wonder if that's, it's creating more because we are a conscious, you know what I mean? So a collective consciousness. And I wonder if that's why it's getting bigger because we keep bringing it information. Yes. And, and that's a very good point. We are, according to Aaron, a collective consciousness. So the consciousness of the universe is the energy of it. And it's constantly flowing through us. Right. It's not just like, we're not just a vessel holding something in that doesn't have any access beyond our physical selves. The energy of the universe is constantly flowing through us. We're constantly in contact with it. We're always distracted by, you know, what we're doing today, you know, where we're going and what our plans are and what our future holds and what we're really supposed to be distracted with in life. We're distracted with But we can reduce our distractions by meditating. There's Mm -hmm. many techniques to be more in touch with the energy that flows through us constantly. Right. Yeah. And you know, when you said he taught you, or he still teaches you, I think, about how energy works, can he teach you how to maybe even heal yourself through your own energy? Yes. He does talk a lot about that. He talks a lot about healing myself. And that's, that's a big thing for me. Grief is it's really hard to get through and I have days, some moments in time where it can be triggered like birthdays, anniversaries. We did a lot together. We were so close. So there's a lot of triggers for me. 
And so he's always trying to remind me, remember you're where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be living life. Yeah. And you know, it's that physical aspect though, Camille. It's that I want to hug you and touch you and hold your face between my hands. And I want to smell you and know you're close to me again. And I don't, I I can't do that with you. And that's what we miss. They can do it anytime they want. They're with us regardless. They can see everything around us. I think he probably knows when you're sad, he'll come to see you even then. He knows everything. And yet we can only focus when we're able to in our little meat sacks that we have and in our little limited minds that we have to, you know, so, and he's everything and all around us. And so is my mother. And I try to remember that because I miss her physical touch. I miss just talking to her and we had epic phone calls and she was so fun to just sit and have a conversation with. And now, even though I feel like I can kind of still do that, I miss that part. I do too. And that's, that's what I think we grieve the most is, is what we miss. And, you know, Aaron too, we had epic conversation in life. Aaron truly was a brilliant person and in his afterlife, he's a brilliant light in the sky for me. I, you know, I think of him as a brilliant star in the sky and, he gives me so much guidance. He's a shining light. But I do have a lot of times in my grief where I, I just missed his hugs and, sure. you know, yes. and just seeing his smile, you know. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, it's hard enough to lose a parent, but losing a child. Oh, Camille, that's to me. I mean, I'm, I'm a mother of two. I think you have four all together. Yes. And I, yeah. And I, God bless you, honey. I can't imagine how hard it has been. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for, for that. That's, you know, I know it's really hard to, to even have to tell someone something like that. And, you know, yes. I've, I've learned that it is something that people really can't understand unless they've been through it right. because we're not programmed to understand that. It's an out of order loss. And it took me a long, long time to get to a point where I wasn't even avoiding triggers. And, you know, I was trying to kind of avoid it as part of the conversation even because I didn't want, I didn't want the trigger and I didn't want the other person (laughs) to be upset having to hear it. It's something that is unique to a lot of people. Unfortunately, today, there's a lot of out of order loss going on in the world Mm -hmm. with all of the events going on around us, not just COVID, but the mental health issues and fentanyl out there. There's a lot of young people, unfortunately, you know, losing their lives from these types of things. And so I don't want to say that I feel fortunate. I don't feel fortunate to have lost my son, but since I did... Fortunately, I've been able to to find support and comfort from some groups that are out there. And some of them are very large groups. One that I found is called Helping Parents Heal. Mm -hmm. And they're a group of over 22,000 parents who have lost children. But they also, at the same time, are very open to what we're speaking about, spirituality and, you know, spirit contact. And so they're an amazing group. And I found so much companionship and a a whole community there. So they've been so much support to me that, you know, I've been able to do what I've been able to do, write books and get through this with, with help from people like that. Right. And, you know, I think also just the love you had, you and Aaron had between you, I think that is the catalyst that got you 
to be able to communicate, especially since you were a skeptic. I mean, I think that's what did it, that immense love you had for each other and the respect you had for each other. You guys were clearly very close, but you had a mutual respect. And I think that sometimes that can change energy. I know that sounds crazy. I mean, we were talking before we started recording and I was like, I felt like I was nuts trying to talk to my mom. And you're like, no, I totally get it. I did too. And the fact that you can go to these groups and they don't call you nuts and they're like, no, we think it's a thing. It's okay to talk about it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I would have never found out about that otherwise, you know. Right. And all that I've learned and and everything, and you know, it's true. It is the love. It is the bond that we have. It's eternal. Yes. And knowing that, and I think Aaron knew what I needed uh, to get through because I was literally paralyzed by the loss initially, the shock and the trauma. Yes. And I think he probably looked at me and thought, well, I got to do something (laughs) to help her through or she's not going to get through it. And, you know, because, Camille, it was like really fast after he passed away. Like it was within days, right? Yes. It was right after his funeral that my friend came with that note. And that was my first step. And then hearing his voice. And then I started finding books on this subject, not just on grieving. I started reading books on this subject. And then I started, I had never listened to a podcast before. And then I started listening to podcasts. And so, you know, and everything that I would find would resonate with Aaron's message. And so I just kept going one step in front of the other. And now I've come this far and you know, I still have a long way to go. Uh, grief never goes away. And that's because love never goes away. Right. Love is eternal. Yeah. And you make a good point because that's the thing. You were brought together by love. And even in the afterlife, you're still so connected. And Because like I said, they never go away. And it's hard still even for me to wrap my head around it. And I can sometimes talk to my mom and you can talk to your son, but it still sucks. I mean, it's just, it's it's terrible for the physical people. But let me ask you this, because I asked my mom, I said, hey, mom, you know, this is a while back. I said, are you coming back? Just like you asked Aaron, and he told you yes, and he had that image that you guys found him in. And my mom said, no, I'm waiting for you. So I don't know if we're going to reincarnate together (laughs) the next life or what we're doing. But has he ever told you any of that stuff? Wow, that's amazing that your mom said that. And, you know, I, it sounds to me like, yeah, she's waiting for you. And, and you're going to go through another lifetime together. And you've probably gone through many together. And of course, you go through eternity together. So there's something that keeps you two bound to each other. And I believe that's true with Aaron. And funny enough, long before when Aaron was about four years old, we were driving in the car in New Orleans. We lived in New Orleans at the time. And we were driving to the mall and he blurts out to me, remember when we were together a long time ago? What? And I, yeah. And I said, I said, um, when are you, when do you mean, Aaron? I mean, a long time ago, like way before the dinosaurs. What? I said, oh, you oh. remember that? And he said, yeah. And we used to be, we used to travel anywhere we wanted to from planet to planet. We went all over the universe. He was four. Wow. And I'm wow. thinking now, okay, so we have always been together. That must be what he's saying. Yes. We've been bonded together. We're 
you know, we're going through multiple reincarnations and existence together. So it kind of makes me feel comforted to know that we'll each other again we'll be together again to me that's you know I am in no way ready to go anytime soon I've got a grandbaby girl that's coming soon in December and we're so my first one so excited I know announcement on your post oh I'm so excited so you know so thank you we're my son and his wife are having a baby in December and we're so excited and but I I tell you I'm not afraid and not that I was really that afraid before and I'm not in a hurry but we have so much to look forward to and that's that's what's keeping because I interview so many as you know near-death experiencers who all have like a core they all have a core same meaning of just like you said just like Aaron says and I'm speaking to him in present tense because he is present even now um, that it is all about love it is all about intent you don't go there and get judged you don't go into the fiery pits of hell if you were Hitler Um, I think you were handled with a lot of care I do think that People like them derail, and if they do or don't, or maybe they did come here for that. But the thing is, if it was all rainbows and butterflies here, we wouldn't learn anything. So because my father wasn't the best father, uh, and I've totally forgiven him, and I don't even hold on to that anymore, I don't wish him ill will or anything. It's kind of like how God would go, like if my son came up and said, Mom, I just outright murdered somebody, I wouldn't just automatically stop loving him and say, you need to go to hell. That's not how God works. You know what I mean? So (laughs) that's right. Yeah. So I'm I'm on a soapbox here. But anyway, I just feel like that I think we're all we all have to be held with grace. And some people call it victim blaming. I hate that that's what they think it is, because I just think we're all so valuable to God. And I think that he loves all of us for all of our transgressions, all of our good things, everything we can ever think or do or say to or help anyone uh i think we're invaluable to him i totally totally hear you on that and and aaron at the end of uh aaron's energy that's his big message you know he wanted me to spread and and it was important to him that i share his message and and a big important point to him is how much we're valued as part of the universe and he used a, an analogy of an airplane. He said, what if you got on an airplane? And just before takeoff, the pilot said, oh, there's this one screw missing in the engine, but don't worry about it. It's not that important. Well, what's going to be on your mind that entire flight? Right, exactly. (laughs) That, That screw, and that screw is one little part of that airplane, but it suddenly became the most important part of the airplane. And what he says is, is that we're all that important. Wow. None of us is more valued by the universe than anyone else. And another thing he said to me that I love to share is he said, what if that one act of kindness that you did in that moment held the universe together? Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's how valuable we all are. Oh, that's profound. That's wow. Wow. Yeah, you know, and it's all about love. It really is. That's the core thing that every single person I interview, I don't care who it is. And I just interviewed someone and that's going to be before this episode, a male in DEER. And I've never interviewed a male near-death experiencer. And I wanted his take on it too. And he had this whole different take. But at the end of the day, it was the same message, Camille. Love. It's all about love. If you could just get past the judgment and the ego and everything else, 
and the judgment, you know, and I try my best not to do that. Now, I, I try to take toxic situations or people out of my life, and I try not to judge them because that's not fair to me, actually, because that's just bringing me down. So, and I've learned so much doing that with this podcast. I've learned so much, but go ahead. You were going to say something. Well, I was just, I was going to say about judgment and things. Aaron talks about, you know, our instincts for survival, and these are all parts of our instincts for survival, too, and you know, judgment, fear, and what he calls those are uh, derivatives of love. He said, everything is a derivative of love. We're created from love, Mm -hmm. and all of the instincts we have are from love. Even though we might not define them as loving, some of them being judgmental or, or egotistical or overly fearful or anxious. He said that those are all derivatives of love. All of our human instincts are derivatives of love, even though we might define them as something else. We might define them as judgment, fear, um, you know, egocentrism and so forth. This is all what we've been equipped with to survive. And when those things, you know, swing too heavily one way or another, that's all part of our existence working things out. You made a very good point. We are all with those kinds of emotions to survive here. I never thought about it like that, Camille. I never thought that you need judgment. You need your ego. You need to be anxious sometimes. You need to be whatever it is, sad, happy, all those things, because that's what life is. Even a good dose of fear prevents us from jumping off a cliff. Yes. Oh, that's, <laughs> right? Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. And when those things kind of seem to go out of whack and become, you know, extreme versions of them, this is all part of working things out and what we're here for. We're here to learn and we're here to have those experiences. And if, you know, sometimes... I know that might sound a little wishy-washy about it, you know, when you think about some real extreme cases, like you mentioned Hitler, cases like that. Well, how can we, how can we possibly, you know, think of that as working things out? But the universe doesn't judge, and we have to remember that the universe doesn't judge. We judge. Yeah, you judge yourselves. And maybe he had to, and and Mary Helen Hensley, the near-death experiencer that I interviewed, you know, I was talking to her about it and she goes, and I said, I think maybe he derailed. And she goes, no, well, maybe he did. She goes, but maybe he did come here to do what he did. Maybe he had to come here to change someone's trajectory, someone's path, because he did so much evil. Does that make sense to where, you know, uh, if had it not happened, and and you hate to say that because he was a monster, you know, in this life. There's a lot of people I know even now in the world that are monsters in my mind. But I try to, uh, it's and it's hard not to be mad and angry and just want to, you know, err. But we should be. We should be angry. We should should learn from this. And if we weren't mad and we weren't angry at it, what would we really learn, right? right. So. We have responses to those things, too. And that's all part of working it out, all part of working it out. And the world's going through another big workout (laughs) right now. I think, you know, a lot of times when the world is going through these, I like to call spiritual awakenings, it it looks like we're going through a spiritual awakening now. There's a lot of stuff that we have to work out. Yes. And I don't know if if Aaron said anything to you about this. Does he say like, hey, just hang on for the ride. It's going to get better. Does he say anything like that to you? Yes, he, he does. He says 
that change occurs this way. When things need to change or when things are going through big changes, he, he doesn't really talk about need because there isn't need where he is. But when we're going through this big change globally, things often get, you know, very confused and chaotic like they are. And we have to wake up and realize our power here. Right. And I don't think we always do. We, we don't always realize our power collectively. And if we come to a point where we realize that we need to focus on what we want to happen in the world, not what we don't want, not what we're afraid of, not what we, you know, are anxious about, but focus primarily on what we want as a global collective, we will see the change we want to see in the world. We'll see things improve. We'll see peace. We'll see a better climate. We'll see a better environment. We'll see all the things that we innately know we want to see in the world. Because you know what, life is hard enough without all the crazy changes that's going on in the government or in in our environment or in the pandemic. It's hard enough already. So if we could just kind of get that under control, but still have to deal with the egos that we all have, but we have to have those to live, but try to also live in a graceful kind of way of thinking about everyone, ah, this place would be so much better, wouldn't it? It would be so much better. It would. (laughs) And, and, you know, I think before we do see that kind of balance around us, we're going to see more imbalance and we're going to be able to recognize that we have the power to rebalance things. Right. Yeah, I agree. I I do. And, And I'm hoping, you know, somebody said, you know, you know what you're calling when you would do it for free. And I basically am doing this podcast for free because it's, I swear this is my calling, but I think I'm making people more aware. I'm hoping I am um, about a lot of different things. Making people more aware. (laughs) I I listen to all your podcasts and I am definitely more aware. You and your sweet fiance, uh, guys, she was telling me that, uh, they, they drove up to their cottage and she said the drive up, they, they listened to my podcast and that's like the best compliment because, reviews and people that talk about that that's like gold to me I am words of affirmation kind of person so thank you so much for that but you have got these amazing books so I want you to tell everyone where they can find them and all of the other things that you have going on yeah so so my first book Aaron's Energy Mm -hmm. an unexpected journey through grief and the afterlife with my brilliant son Um, the first and second edition are available on Amazon Uh, The first edition is in paperback, Kindle, and Audible. And the second edition is in paperback and Kindle. And all of the proceeds of my book go to a list of charities. You know, all of the earnings from my books are going to mental health and addiction Mm. research and care programs. amazing. um, To youth and young adult social development programs. To bereavement support services. Helping Parents Heal, Forever Family Foundation, to Afterlife Communication and Survival of Consciousness Research, and the whole list of charities and my books. Um, My second book, well, actually, it's my third book now, (laughs) because my first has a first and second edition. So my third book, Gathering at the Doorway, an anthology of signs, visits, and messages from the afterlife. That's a collection of over 40 chapters from authors around the world of their own experiences with 
signs, visits, and messages, um, and encounters with loved ones in the afterlife. And the proceeds, thank you, and the proceeds of that book are also going to all those charities. Mm. So the list of charities and hyperlinks to the books, references, recommendations, updates, and events can be found on my website, www.aaronsenergy.com. Perfect. And I will add that to my show notes because, girl, I love these conversations. I love talking to people that can, oh, I, you know, any kind of um, woo stuff, and I call it woo, but I think it's the real thing anyway. Um, any kind of conversation like this to, if nothing else, help people understand that, gosh, this is not all there is, guys. There's so much more to this world and this universe than we can ever even fathom. Um, I love these conversations, and you have been so wonderful to come on my podcast. Oh, thank you. I loved our conversation conversation too. And I agree with you 100%. There's way more than just what we see. And uh, we have a lot to look forward to. And but we're we're here for a reason. Absolutely. Um, We're here to hold the universe together. Yeah, it sounds like it. And like I said, I just, uh, I could keep talking. I may have to have you back on because I could keep talking to you about this forever. So uh, your time has been so valuable to me. Thank you so much. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.